after what most would call a successful 2020 football season, are the Browns poised for success? Or was this just water in a frying pan? Also, should the league change the fumble in the end zone touchback rule? And later, why professional athletes are just different compared to the rest of us? I will answer those questions and more in this episode of the Brown Subtle Podcast. And welcome to the Brown Subtle Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Hand. You can find me on Twitter at Brown Subtle. You can also find this podcast on Twitter at Brown Subtle Pod. We are part of the Zedia Network. That's media spelled with a Z. For more information on the Zedia Network, you can find them on Twitter at Zedia Network. Today, I'm joined by a friend of the show, Casey Kinneman. He will be by my side, my side dog. We'll just call you that, Casey. You'll be my side dog tonight as we celebrate our Cleveland Browns 2020 football season and break down what we just saw this past Sunday in Kansas City. So with that, Casey, welcome to the Brown Subtle Podcast. Hey, thanks, Jason. Thanks for having me on. I'm really excited. Let's talk some Browns. Before we dive deep in the show, Casey, um, why don't we start by telling us a little bit about how you became a Browns fan and maybe your journey as a fan of the, of the orange and Brown. Well, it's a, it's a sort of a weird start. Um, I didn't grow up in the football family. I chose the Browns myself. Um, I actually played flag football. I didn't get to choose the team I played for. And as fate would have it, they play, had me play for the Steelers of all teams. And I knew I didn't like that. <laughs> and <laughs> I had some friends who were Browns fans and their dads were Browns fans. And I watched a few games as a, you know, seven, eight year old. But then when I was nine years old, I got to go to a Cleveland Browns game, municipal stadium. I seen them play the Philadelphia Eagles. And from that day forward, Browns is all I've ever rooted for ever. Wow. So you actually saw a game at the old municipal stadium. Yeah. Yeah. I was nine years old. Um, we played the Philadelphia Eagles. We won 19 to three. Don Strock was the starting quarterback because Hagel uh, and Bernie were both injured. And just the, the culture, just to see the stadium the way it was, how raw it was, the fans, how crazy. It won me over that day. Yeah. Well, well, we went to the playoffs that year, didn't we? Yeah, that was the year that we beat the Oilers in the season finale and turned around and played them in the wild card game. Yeah, yeah. That was, that was, a, that was a long time ago, man. <laughs> yep. Yeah, sure was. The the new First Energy Stadium, well, I mean, not real new, but it's new. Uh, yeah. A little bit different than the old stadium, huh? Oh, yeah. Yeah, tons different. I mean, don't get me wrong. I love First Energy Stadium. I love the game day experience there. But there was just something special about the, the municipal stadium. Just, uh, I guess, the, the dirtiness of it. The, just how – and you could just – the old – you could feel the history in the building. Yeah. It was, uh, quite a sight. I got to see three games there. So you, you grew up, um, well, when you started following the Browns, you're a lot like me. I, Bernie Kosar was our quarterback. And yes, it sir. was fun, fun times back then watching the Browns. It seemed like we were in the playoffs a lot. We had a lot of success. We had some heartbreaking things that happened to this team. But uh, overall, it was a great childhood following the Cleveland Browns for sure. 
yeah, you woke up every Sunday with a feeling you had a chance no matter who you were playing. Yeah. It's something we lost for about 20 years. You you know, and another feeling that I always had that I I missed and and now it's starting to come back is I always knew that Bernie Kosar was going to be our quarterback year in and year out. There was no discussion of, Hey, let's, let's bench Bernie or let's bring somebody else in. He, he was our guy. And, and we missed that for the past 20 years since the Browns have been back. And now we're starting to have those same feelings again with Baker Mayfield. He He's our guy. There's, there's just no ifs, ands or buts about it. And that's a good feeling knowing going into this offseason that next year Baker Mayfield is going to be our guy. We don't have to look anywhere else. He's here to stay. Yeah, Baker's our quarterback. I can't believe people even question that. To me, it's what have you been watching? Uh, after everything we've been through, we can tell you what a bad quarterback looks like. And when Baker takes the field, we have a shot week in and week out. And he's not scared of any moment. And I think the fans need to get behind that part of it. Don't be scared of the big games because you know he isn't. Yeah, I, I just like everything about Baker Mayfield. I like his moxie, his his. I mean, he is Cleveland. He he is Cleveland. That's what he is. He's a, a come to work guy. No excuses. You know, he even said in a press conference, "You know, I, I can be better. I will be better." And he was, and he is. Uh, I, I was so happy that Baker Mayfield turned his season around. You know, last year was was not very good for Baker Mayfield this year started out a little bit like that but man he's turned it around and he's proved that he's our guy for for a long time yeah I'm really I'm really hopeful they get that fifth year extension signed and then they can you know extend him long term I want to see him as our franchise quarterback for the next eight to ten years that's music to my ears. Well, well, Casey, the, the Browns season came to an end this past Sunday in Kansas City. The Browns lost the Heartbreakers 22-17. to 17. I, I'll be honest with you. I thought this, the score would be a lot higher than that. The, the final score really surprised me. But our, our season ultimately came to a close. What were you feeling um, as our season came to an end? Uh, kind of disbelief right, right at the very end of it. The whole fourth quarter, I just had a feeling that we were going to pull it off. I thought Baker would have the ball in his hands at the end and we would get it done. And uh, when we punted the ball away on that last possession with Henny as the other quarterback, there was not a doubt in my mind we were going to get that ball back. And as the second slipped away and as he got that third and 14, got it to a fourth and one, just disbelief. You know, the, the suddenness of the season ending, I wasn't ready for it. I don't think any fan was. This game brought out a lot of emotions for me. You know, I, I was nervous. I was sad, you know, towards the halftime and into the third quarter where we, I, you know, you just saw the game slipping away. And then you got excited because you saw a pathway to victory. And then all of a sudden, you know, the game slipped away from us. Um for, for me, I, I think I shared with you before we started recording this episode, I, I forgot what it was like to be in the playoffs, Casey. Uh, it's been a long time, 18 years. I, I watch the playoffs every single year, all the games. Yeah. And, and it's different when it's not your team, in the you know, when you're watching a playoff game. But when it's your team, it's your dog in the fight, it's, it's a great feeling. And honestly, man, I forgot – 
what that feeling felt like. And so, so walk me through that, man. How did you feel about the Cleveland Browns making the playoffs again? Well, I, uh, at first I was just very hopeful. And then the news came down of all the COVID stuff that beginning of the week of the Steelers game and it kind of tempered everybody's expectations. But then I got the feeling like, why not us? You know, like we made, we got our, we punched our ticket to the dance. Why not us? So it's it, like you said, it is a, it's a strange feeling and it's something we haven't had in a long time, but I wasn't as nervous as I thought I would be. When I, when I first thought about it, I thought I'd be extremely nervous for the game, but I wasn't um, kind of the same thing with Kansas city. And a lot of it's the underdog mentality. No one expects us to win. You know, they think we're just happy to be here. And I don't, I don't, I know the team in the locker room doesn't feel that way. So it made me feel like we were playing with house money. You know, whatever we did was going to be more than people thought we could do, period, because we made the playoffs. And then to, to punch the ticket for the Steelers and send them home, that was a special feeling right there. That, that is something we sent them packing. And those final images of Ben with a tear going down his face and the Steelers all dejected sitting on the bench. That's something that I'm going to keep with me for a long, long time. No doubt about it. I, you know, for the for the wild card game against the Steelers, I was way more nervous for that game than I was against the Chiefs. And when you say that, that's a weird thing to say, right? But when you put our history of, of the Browns versus Steelers and, and then the games in Pittsburgh, we as fans had every right to feel that way. And for whatever reason, going into the Chiefs game, I wasn't really nervous until they started doing the warm-ups and we were about to kick the ball off. Yeah, the uh, the Steelers game, because that could have went bad. If that goes bad, then we're the same old Browns. That whole that whole narrative just gets painted on the, on the national media. But to do what we did that night, <laughs> that was amazing. It was just simply amazing. Um, just from the opening snap going over Ben's head and then us having to come through in the end and, you know, not, and put him away. It was just a great feeling. Well, Casey, take me through your, your Sunday before kickoff. You know, where'd you watch the game? Did you have any uh, playoff football food prepped? You know, what, what was going on in the, in the Kinnaman household? Normally I would have all that. Like I'm just like you. I don't miss a, a playoff game. I, I, I treat it like a, you know, a holiday every Sunday. But we just moved into a new house, to a new state. I'm living out of boxes. Um, so I was moving everything. We literally had just moved in that house on Sunday during the day. And at night, I had to rush to put a TV up on the dresser, and I watched it in our bedroom. And uh, my wife ran and got some food and came back. And we wa watched it as a family sitting on the bed, just watching it right there. And uh, because of that, that's how I watched the Kansas City game. I wasn't going to change anything. So yeah. I watched the Kansas City game the exact same way. So now that that's where I can actually start to arrange everything and put the TV where it's actually going to go. Yeah, it, this this past Sunday was special, man. Um, all right, so the kickoff, we, we deferred the opening kickoff. The Chiefs got the ball first. I, I get it. You know, Stefanski, I don't know what he's thinking, but I think what he was, what his thoughts were, Mahomes hasn't thrown a ball in, in, in about three weeks. Maybe we can catch him with a little rust on his arm. You know, our defense, if we hold them to a punt on that first possession, all is good. We get the ball first in the second half. Baker goes down, scores a touchdown. That's that's not what happened, right? The Chiefs yeah. went, marched right down and scored a touchdown like it wasn't nothing. 
and all of a sudden, man, I mean, before you can really blink, the Browns are down 13 to three at, at that point, uh, you know, you really start to see the game kind of slipping away and you're like, okay, yeah, I'm rem- you're, we're reminded we're playing the defending Super Bowl champions and Patrick Mahomes is no joke. Yeah. You know, Kansas city is going to score the, the, you're being tasked. You have to answer them. And when they scored that initial touchdown, you got to score a touchdown right back at them. We scored three on that opening drive. And then they get the ball back and do what they do. And then we lost a lot of momentum on our second drive when Chubb dropped a couple balls. That really put us behind the eight ball because you can't waste possessions against a team like Kansas City. You got to make them count. You got, they have to end in points where you're never going to make that, make that deficit up. Um, where we got lucky was the Chiefs actually slowed themselves up. If you notice the time of possession, they were we only had the ball two times in the first half. Is that right? Maybe three? Yeah, it was yeah, two or three times. That's it. So they did what we everybody thought we were going to do, try to slow the game down to keep their offense off the field. They ended up doing the same thing to us. And props to them. Andy Reid's a heck of a coach. Yeah, I mean, it, it seemed like in the first half, and we're going to talk about the Richard Higgins fumble in, in, in just a second, but it seemed like in the first half, we had a hard time getting any kind of rhythm going. We weren't running the football. It, it just didn't really look like, I mean, we were there to play. I, I want to word this carefully, but it, it, it just didn't look like we had, we weren't playing Cleveland Browns football which is what we all were hoping to see that first half. And it, it just wasn't happening. I mean, they did a great job stop, stopping the run. You know, I thought we, we didn't run it a ton. I mean, Kareem Hunt, he didn't carry the ball till uh, was it late in the first, uh, second quarter? We, we didn't get him involved in the game till late, which also surprised me a little bit. Yeah, I was very surprised by that. I figured he would have a, uh, a key role in this game. Um, just you heard everything leading up to it during the week. And the type of player he is, he's fiery. You think he'd definitely be able to give us a spark and raise the, the, the morale of the team, you know, if he has a, a breakout play during any of those opening drives. So the fact they didn't use him definitely befuddled me too. Um, the Browns, they, they were, they, we didn't come out sharp. We just didn't come out sharp. You were hoping for something like the Tennessee game where we came out firing on all cylinders, ready to like a heavyweight fight, ready to go punch blow for blow with Kansas City. and. We were just a little behind. We definitely weren't sharp. That's what I was hoping to see. The I was hoping to see the Cleveland Browns versus Dallas Cowboys game or Cleveland Browns versus Tennessee Titans game or that Monday night game against the Ravens where you just blow for blow. Everybody, including professional analysts, thought this was going to be a high-scoring game. Vegas had it at 57 points. It didn't even come close to that, so – we, we weren't the only ones, Casey, that were surprised yeah. as to what we saw on that football field. Yeah, yeah. They, uh, if you would have told me beforehand the Kansas City Chiefs are only going to score 22 points, I'd like our chances. No doubt about it. Let's, let's get into the Rashard Higgins fumble because, to me, th- this was a big point of the game. We're, we're talking about a 10-point swing. Do you think – let's start with this. Do you think the league should change that rule? What are your thoughts on that rule, man? I don't know what you change it to, but I, I think it's ridiculous that the defense gets that ball. You know, whether you want to have it come back to the point of the fumble, like every other fumble, anywhere else in the field, wherever you fumble it, if it goes out of bounds, 
you get it back to that point. You don't, the fact that it goes out of the end zone and all of a sudden it's the defense's ball, you know, the change of possession, that makes no sense to me. Never has. But it's also never affected me like it did this Sunday either. Um, it definitely put the, the rule in focus. And I would pretty much guarantee it's going to be a topic of discussion all offseason. That that was a crazy play, man. That was a on, on a lot of levels. We're going to talk about this play for just a couple minutes. Yeah, yes, sir. When Rashard Higgins caught that ball and he's running towards the end zone, I'm jumping up and down. I'm screaming. I'm excited. I mean, we're about to score a touchdown, right? He 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 extends his arm. Uh, Dan Sorensen, head to head blow, targeting. The ball comes out. My wife, she, you know, and. Hey, a lot of people didn't know this rule a lot. We, we've heard um, on Twitter and everything else. But my wife's like, oh, that's okay. Fumble the ball, you'll get on the one-yard line. I'm like, nope, that's a touchback. It's their ball. And she's like, what do you mean that's their ball? That's not fair. I mean, she was I, – I was upset, but I knew the rule. She was upset. Well, the rule makes no sense. It does I don't – I don't, I don't mean – it is what it is. It is the rule, so you have to go with it. But I bet that gets revisited. I bet that there are going to be some – some off-season meetings, and they're going to have to bring that up in the rules committee because it put it into focus. Yeah, I mean, you know, like you said, Casey, anywhere else on the football field, if that ball gets fumbled and goes out of bounds, it's still your ball. It, it, it was unfortunate what happened. You know, I, I, I thought that it hit off the leg of Sorensen, I think, which made it roll out of bounds in the end zone. I don't know if it Maybe if it didn't go in the end zone uh, out of bounds, maybe we could have recovered. I don't, I don't know. I couldn't look past that play because I was so upset. Obviously, that was a dirty hit by Sorensen. Yes, yes, sir. There was no question about it. How did the how did the refs miss that call? I don't know. There's one right there on the line. Judges right there. Now live, I didn't see the helmet to helmet. I just saw the fumble live on TV. But as soon as I replayed it. And he's getting struck straight through his helmet by, you know, with a spear. What, what, how's that not reviewable? Like it's something you could go back clearly and see without a shadow of a doubt what happened. That's not reviewable, but they reviewed the fumble. So the ref that was reviewing the fumble had to see that helmet to helmet hit how many ever times they showed it to him and know he missed the call or one of his officials on the field missed the call. And it was, it was clearly, he, he led with his head. He dropped his head to make the hit. That also being said, I don't know how you stop that play without doing that, you know, because it was such a bang, bang play, but that's illegal. You can't strike with the helmet. And that's exactly what he did. I would have dropped the ball too, Casey. I mean, that, that was a <laughs> definitely targeting textbook helmet to helmet. The only thing I'm thinking is, you know, that, that referee, that line judge, he was on the other side of the pylon and Richard Higgins is in between his line of sight from Sorensen and, and seeing that helmet to helmet. Cause if you looked on the other side, I don't know, maybe you don't see it. And it was yeah. a bang. I mean, it, I didn't see it, you know, in regular time, but when they slowed it down, it was so obvious. Oh, he, yeah. dips, he dips his head down. Uh, he used his helmet as a weapon. That's what he did. Yep. Absolutely. And then the chiefs actually posted it on their Twitter and called him dirty oh, Dan. <laughs> dirty Dan. Did they take that tweet down yet? Uh, you know, I don't know. I saw, I saw it posted and I saw enough people retweet it, though, that it's never going to leave my mind. You know, I, it's, that's a terrible look if, you know, if they don't take it down. It was still up on Monday. I, I was shocked that that yeah. tweet. 
you, have you ever tweeted something you're like i don't know how much you tweet casey but i've tweeted stuff in the past i'm like uh maybe i should delete that <laughs> yeah hey, that, that's that's a good practice to have evaluate yourself every now and again hold yourself accountable yeah because if you don't other people will <laughs> yes sir and screenshots last forever screenshots last forever um yeah i mean that that was just an unfortunate part of the game i don't think this is the reason why we lost the game because of when it happened but most certainly it did knock some momentum away from us because we had some momentum going on that 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 drive was beautiful yeah and to get it taken away from us from a a rule that is there and you know i guess i can't blame the rule because it's a rule but you know, the targeting should have been, should have been called. I'm sorry. It just should have been called and it wasn't. So I just, I just don't know how that's not reviewable. How can you not review a helmet to helmet hit at this stage? If the player's health is so important, why can't they go back and look at that? You know? Yeah. And you'd said earlier, Casey, you know, he, cause they had to review that play because they review all turnovers and you know, he had to have seen that targeting hit and, when you know we missed that one. Oh so, yeah, but that doesn't help us. No, I'm sure the Browns will get a nicely worded letter in the mail with an apology. You know, probably today or tomorrow. Third quarter. All right, so we're we're down 19 to three. We get the the ball first. Baker throws a, a, a an interception to the Honey Badger. Yeah, I, I don't know about you, man. But and I felt bad feeling this way because we ultimately did have a shot in this game. But when Baker throws that pick in the third quarter, I said, I think I said it out loud. If not, I certainly thought it. This game's over. You know, we <laughs> you, you just have that feeling right that I mean, because they were deep in not. I mean, they were on our side of the, the football field. So, yeah, you can't give Pat Mahomes a short field. You just can't do it. You know, the, the way their offense is, the way he makes plays. If you give them a short field, they're going to score points. The fact that we actually got away with them not scoring any points was a miracle. It was Um, a miracle. It was a miracle. Uh, I'll say this. Their kicker, who's been money all season, definitely had a a bad game against us. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, missing that field goal for sure. He missed an extra point. He caught, you know, that's four points. In a a playoff game, that, that, that could send you home, you know. It's just too bad we didn't capitalize on it. Yeah. Um, all right. So, so 19 to three Baker throws the pick. Like you said, chiefs don't capitalize. We, we got lucky there. No doubt about it, but Hey, to win these type of games, sometimes you have to have a little luck on your side. Yeah. That was our little luck. Um, later in the game, you know, Baker hits Landry for a touchdown. And when he did, did that, I don't know about you, Casey, but I immediately, as I'm screaming, I throw up my finger, you know, my two fingers saying, Hey, go for two, go for two. Were you surprised that Kevin Stefanski didn't go for two on that? Actually was. And right in the moment, you know, um, just being how we were down the numbers we were down and then to score right there and, and the momentum. That's a, I think that's an excellent point to go for two right there. That's a great, a great time to do it. Um, but luckily for us, Parky didn't miss uh, because I don't know about you, but towards the end of the season, every time we lined up for a kick, I got nervous. Yeah, I mean, I don't know, man. I mean, if 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 you miss the two point conversion at that point, you're down ten. It would have been nineteen to nine if you missed the two point conversion. 
if you make the two point conversion, now you're only down eight points, which is a one possession game. Yeah. It ended up not mattering at the end, you know, uh, but I, I, it did surprise me that we didn't go for two there. Yeah, I was definitely surprised. Stefanski's been pretty uh, spot on all year about in-game decisions, be it timeouts or when to go for two or when to go for it on fourth down, stuff like that. And uh, he definitely – Stefanski was, didn't have his best game either of the season. Yeah. You know, I love coaching, everything he's done for us, but that definitely wasn't his best work. Well, one of the things Stefanski has been really good at throughout the season – You'd mentioned timeouts, keeping his timeouts. He, he's been fantastic at that through this football season, and it's come into play to help us in, in certain situations um, dur- during the season. This game, you know, we, we spent a couple timeouts that, you know, cost us towards the end, no doubt about it. But that's okay. You know, hey, one of the things about this playoffs game is it, it gave us experience not only for the team, but also Kevin Stefanski moving forward. Yeah, you can learn more off a loss than you can a win. So I think that the way the season ended is going to be an excellent teaching tool going forward for Stefanski and his staff. And the fact that the entire staff is coming back for next year. I think that's a, it's a huge bonus for us. You know, they've all went through this process. They went through it together. They're going to start next season a step ahead of where they started this year. And it's just going to keep on building. Yeah, B- Baker told Stefanski, I don't know if you heard, I heard it on Browns Daily, but he told St- Stefanski in the exit interview that he was just really excited he didn't have to learn a new offense. Yeah, it's like four or five <laughs> years straight he's had to learn a new offense, you know, good for him, you know, get some stability. I think it'll pay off. Yeah, I mean, because Baker is such a confident guy anyways, and if he knows this offense like the back of his hand, which – he almost does and he will that's when you're going to see a real dangerous baker when he can see the field and not have to really think about it he could just react to what he sees yeah you saw during the second half of the season how the command he had over the offense uh even the command to go to the line of scrimmage when the clock's ticking down and not panic because he knows where his reads are he knows who to look at he knows who the hot is he knows where the blitz is coming from and the protections and that just comes over time especially being in a, the new offense. You saw at the beginning of the year, what would normally be preseason, those first six games, he wasn't that he wasn't near as sharp. You know, and that's normally when you get that rust knocked off in the summer through live action that he didn't get. So by the time he, by the time I started clicking, it was definitely apparent on the field. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see this offseason with, you know, hopefully COVID dies down with the vaccinations getting out. Um, ho- hopefully we have more of a normal you know, OTAs and mini camps and training camp. I mean, uh, that would be fantastic for, for our football team. Yeah. As far as they came this year with an unconventional off season, I w- I'd be very encouraged to see what they could do with a traditional off season with OTAs and, you know, actually being able to, to do in-person work and get everybody together. I think that would definitely pay dividends. Let's move into the fourth quarter. The 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 last drive, our, our last possession, Casey. It, it it almost and I I haven't watched, rewatched the game. I I'm not at that point yet. I I will rewatch it, but I haven't rewatched it yet. It, it almost felt like Stefanski was playing for that being our last drive. It, you know, it just seemed like we weren't rushing to the line. Um, you know, we, we definitely weren't in a two minute offense and 
Gosh, I think we had over five minutes left in the game. I, I think Stefanski really thought that we can drive down the field, milk clock, and end this thing. Now, now that didn't happen. We, we didn't even get a first down, I don't think, that game. Do you think that – we're going to talk about the third and 14 in a second, but do you, do you think that Stefanski regrets, um, you know, calling the game the way he did with that last drive? I mean – or do you think that he should have maybe gone into a, a hurry-up two-minute offense? Well, I think I think you're right. I don't, I don't think he had any intention of giving that ball back. I think he was going to milk it, take all the time off he could, and score at the end and you know send us back on the plane with the dub. But props to Steve Spagnola. He, he dialed up some excellent defensive plays, uh, especially on that screen pass we went, we went to throw. The way they blitzed through the middle and then dropped the edges, it put them right in the pass lane and we couldn't complete it. If we can complete that, who knows how far we take that screen pass. Um, was that to Chubb? Is that the one? Yeah, sir. Yeah, that, that would have been the Chubb. That was, was the no same one. That was the same play against Pittsburgh that worked. Yep. And this yeah, time he just he was dropped it. Attention. <laughs> he just dropped it. Yep. Same, same play. Yeah, th- there's a couple drops. You know, Chubb has been amazing this year. Honestly, we, we probably wouldn't even be in the situation if it wasn't for him. He, he had a couple drops that if, you know, if he catches the ball, there's a lot of real estate ahead of him, you know, and you're talking first downs instead of fourth and nine, well, <laughs> which is what we with, ended up with. And with Chubb, it's not always just a first down. That can go for six real easy. Real easy. It says he hits the open field. If he can, you know, gets past that first defender, gets his speed up, he's hard to bring down the secondary. Um but I'll go to War Chubb any day of the week. You know, and he had a couple of drops, but I, that's our guy. You know, that's something you can hang your hat on. That's a Chubb is what you want to have a football player, period, regardless of position. He just put, you know, just goes to work and he's an excellent finisher. I'm, 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 uh, I'm not a proponent of paying running backs usually, unless your name's Nick Chubb. If your name's Nick Chubb, I think we need to get that man in the Browns uniform for as long as we can. No doubt about it. I love Nick Chubb. I, I bought his jersey. I love the way he is. You know, he scores a touchdown. He flips the ball to the ref. He doesn't talk. I mean, you see defenders jabbing in his ear, and he just walks back to the huddle. I just – I love that. Yep, he's all about his business. The fourth and nine, you know, some people are saying that we should have went for it. And obviously, Monday morning quarterback, you know, armchair quarterback, yeah, we should have went for it, you know, if, if we knew the end result. But at that point, we don't know the end result. I mean, there's still over four minutes left in the game. Um, I don't know how many timeouts that we had. Was it one or two? One timeout, I believe. It was one timeout left. One timeout, and, and you have the two-minute warning. You know, if, if you and, – and you have Chad Henney. It's not Patrick yeah. Mahomes. No, and he just <laughs> had thrown an interception, a very terrible interception that resembled a punt. Uh, so you you got to think you're getting that ball back, you know. you. I, I would have kicked it to Chad, Chad Henney, too. Yeah. I mean, if it's Patrick Mahomes, you're not probably – I don't know. Maybe you do. I, I doubt it, though. I don't think you can. I don't, think, put, you, I don't yeah. think that's an option. Yeah, you're not putting yeah. the ball in Mahomes' hand with four minutes purpose. to go. Not on purpose. Not on purpose. Um. All right. So, But we did punt the ball, and we, we ended up punting it. Take me back to that third and 14 play, you know, because I thought, uh, Casey, the defense, I thought they did good 
that that second half. I mean, we, we held them to three points. Three points. In the whole second half. The, the only thing that we did wrong, man, is nobody accounted for Chad Henney. They, they, they guarded everybody else well. But, you know, when you look at the replay, gosh, I mean, Chad Henney, it was wide open. I mean, I, me and you, maybe not me, but you could have ran that and made a first down. Well, I, I doubt that. But I'll tell you what, I did not see that coming. That was, of all the possibilities of third and 14, Chad Henney running for 13 and a half was not on, was on the docket for me. I, I did not see that coming. Um, honestly, I probably got the first down initially when they did the replay. I did and they, too. They thought and they you know had him just short. I, I thought we got lucky there. I thought he got the first down and that was already game. So already died once when he ran it. I was like, oh, that's game. And then like, nope, half half yard short. I'm like, all right, there's a chance. And uh, I didn't know what to expect on that fourth down. Yeah, I think we said this earlier. This game had so many emotions. I tweeted this to Garrett Bush. Uh, a couple days ago, the, the, it was a roller coaster ride. You, you were nervous before the game. You you were happy that you're even in the game, and, and then you saw it slipping away. So you kind of got d- depressed, or at least, I'm just talking about me. I got depressed as a fan, and then you're starting to get back in the game. And you know, I'm not. I don't ever root for injury, but Patrick Mahomes goes out. Like when does that ever happen? And I didn't even know who the backup quarterback was. Chad, I didn't know Chad Henney was on that roster. And then Chad Henney comes out and you're like, oh man, this, and then he throws a pick and you do think you can win the game. And that third and 14 play happens, man. And all of a sudden your playoff hopes just, it comes to an abrupt stop. And that's what happened. Yep. Yeah. We, we got got by Chad Henney. That's what the hardest part to swallow is. <laughs> is. is we got got by Chad Henney. I, I'm not going to forget that play for a long time. That third and 14 play will be remembered for a long time. And like you said, it looked it looked like to me, it looked like he got the first down. He came up a half yard short, big red, you know, Andy Reid, he goes for it. And they've, they flipped the ball, tossed the ball to Tyree kill for the first down. The game's over, but. Oh. Even that fourth down, I, all the possibilities going through my head when he's okay, they're going to try to draw us off sides. Now everybody stay chill. Everybody stay chill. Or if they do hike it, they're going to run, you know, maybe run a draw right up the middle because they're in shotgun and to run a speed out right there. I didn't see that coming, you know, like props to Andy Reed because he zigged when everybody else zagged. I did not see that coming. You, you know, and Going back to Stefanski, I mean, this was his first playoff game as the NFL head coach on the sideline. I mean, we were in the playoffs last week. He was at home in his basement. And and he had a lot to do with that game, with the game planning and Zoom and getting everybody prepared and in the right place. But this was his first playoff game. I don't know Andy Reid's record, but I'm sure it wasn't he, – he wasn't the football coach he is today when he first started. So there's – there's a bright future for Stefanski. I mean, his trajectory is just going up. Oh, no doubt. I'm, I am so thankful that that is who we hired. He has been the steady hand that we have needed for so long. And his demeanor, every, everything about him, you know, he, he's perfect for this situation. And uh, he'll get better. He, he'll, he'll learn from his mistakes, you know. And, and they're not mistakes if you learn from them, you know. 
that's what I'm, I'm encouraged about with him is he's just like Chubb. He's all about his business, you know, and I, I really like the step he, the direction he took the team in this year. Going into this off season, it's, it's just a, it's a great feeling knowing as a fan and I'm sure, and I know the players feel this way too, but it's a great feeling knowing that we, we know we have our quarterback we know we have our head coach and, and his coaching staff is, is in place. We, we know there's not going to be turnover there. So now we're just adding pieces to our already great roster. And you know that Barry and Stefanski are going to work on that defense this offseason and get that better. And watch out. This Browns football team with the, with the same offense that they have now for the most part, I know we're going to probably lose a player or two, but for the most part, our offense is going to look very similar than it looked this year. But with the with the bolstered defense, man, this this team can be very dangerous. Well, it could definitely take off. And if you've seen the emphasis they put on offense last offseason to shift that focus to the defense now and see what they can do in one offseason, I'm, I'm very encouraged by it. I'm really hopeful that uh, we get some speed on the back end, something we sorely missed. And I'm hoping a couple people get extended and uh, a couple of players that they were on that did a lot of playing for us this year shouldn't even be on our team next year. I don't like to name names. So uh, some of them won't be missed. <laughs> some of them won't be missed. Overall, I, I fell in love with this 2020 Browns football team. I, I really did. And it was, it was sad to see it end. And I'm never going to forget this team. I mean, this is the most excited I have ever been as the Cleveland Browns fan. The most yeah. excited. It's the most fun I've had watching football. And I couldn't even tell you how long since I was a child, literally since I was a child, I haven't had a team that you could rally around like this. And it, it was just a ton of fun week in and week out. You know, it's uh, it was quite a ride. We've had so many victory Mondays. That's the thing about, being a, a, a Browns fan is usually outside of this year. You're going to work on Mondays more often with a loss than a win. Very few times do you get a win, you know? Um, so for this season, man, I went to work a, a lot of Mondays with a smile on my face, knowing that we got a win. Yep. We played 18 games and we won twice as many as we lost. You know, that, that, that in itself right there, that's a blessing right there. And something that shouldn't be taken for granted by this fan base. But over time, you know, we compete year in, year out going forward. It'll become the standard. It won't, it won't feel as new as it did this year. That's why this year is special. Very, very special. Let, let's put a bow on this game, Casey. Get, we're, we're gonna, I want to uh, talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly for, for this football team. And some of the things that we say might be uh, repeated from what we already talked about. But get, give me a good of this game, uh, a play or two or a moment that you had that's that's good? I hate to say it because, I mean, I know he ended up fumbling, but Rashard Higgins had a, a, a very great bounce-back game from his first game in the playoffs against the Steelers. He was money out there. Him and Baker had a great connection going. And just to see – to move the chains as easy as they do, it's just an awesome feeling. So I, that was probably my good. Yeah, he, he caught five passes for 88 yards – yeah, I mean, Rashard Higgins and and Baker Mayfield have been, you know, the chemistry has just been amazing since Rashard Higgins has been on this football team. 
Um, I've said this before in a previous episode, but during the HBO Hard Knocks, you, I'm sure you saw that. Oh, yeah. I remember at one point, Rashard Higgins came up to Baker on the sideline during a preseason game, or maybe it was after the orange and brown scrimmage, I forget. But he he smiled at Baker, and, and you could tell he just looked at him like he admired Baker, and he looked up to him. And he told Baker, he goes, you just know how to win, man. And yeah. when he said that, you know, Baker kind of looked at him. You, you could tell that they genuinely like each other. And when they're on that football field, they Baker just knows where Rashard is going to be at. So yeah. I hope that Higgins stays on this football team and, and they can work out a good, good contract for that young man. Yeah. That's, that's one I'm worried about losing because I think they'll be able to offer more money elsewhere, but I know he took less money to be here this year. You know, but you can you can only turn down paydays for so long. So I'm hoping the Browns do right and bring Higgins back. That's someone I'd love to see on our offense next year. Yeah, I mean, at some point as a professional football player, especially somebody as talented as Higgins, you got to get paid at some point. It's it's whether can we pay him. And you're right. He took a little bit of a discount to stay on this football team. And credit to Kevin Stefanski. For whatever reason, Higgins fell out of the, you know, graces of, you know, with um, Freddie Kitchens. You know, he was a healthy scratch for a, a lot of weeks. But Kevin Stefanski got him back on track. And uh, he's done well for this football team. Yeah, he put a lot of good tape out there. That's for sure. That's, what, that's what's going to get you paid in this league. My, my good is we fought back. You know, th- this team never, never gave up. That, that was good for, for me to see. We were down 19 to three at one point. It would have been very easy to, to pack it in. And well, we, we lost this game. I mean, we had Miles Garrett chasing down McCole Hardman. You remember that play? Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. and Miles Garrett was hurt. I don't know. He had uh, some kind of abdomen injury. But that guy just fights and fights and fights out there. And our players see that. I mean, nobody gave up on this football team. So that was my good. Yeah, that's uh, been a mark of this team all year. No matter what, you know, they, 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 don't, they don't pack it in. We've seen too many teams in the past. Things don't start going their way. They're just going to, you know, pack it up and see you next Sunday. That, that's not a mark of Stefanski's team at all, though. They fight to the end. He has a great ability to to lead men out there. And this football team believes in him. And they believe they can beat anybody. They they just hung with the defending Super Bowl champions. You know, they make me believe they can beat anybody. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's that's what's that's probably a big reason why we as Browns fans going into this game thought, hey, we can we can beat these guys. You know, you know, why not us? Why not us? We can beat anybody. We want more, you know? So, yeah. All right. Uh, give me give me a, one bad about this game. I'm not going to throw the refs into it. Uh, coming out the second half, opening with a turnover, that, that like, I was like you, that just crushed me. I mean, luckily the Chiefs didn't do anything with it, but just what we've seen all year, you know, like you want to score at the end of the first half, get that ball back and score and double dip, you know? We weren't able to do either in this game, and we kind of needed to to beat someone like the Chiefs. My my bad was the our last possession. We 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 couldn't move the football. That was our chance. You know, we were, we were down. Seven. The final score was seventeen twenty two. We we were down by five points. 
you know, you score a touchdown and you probably win that football game and we, and we couldn't get it done. And we've seen this team come from behind. I mean, we saw it against Cincinnati. We saw Baker Mayfield drive the football down with, you know, seconds to go hits DPJ in the end zone. We've seen this football team do it. And it's unfortunate in the biggest game of the year that we, we couldn't get that done. Yeah, man, that was a bummer. That was that one right there. You, you get that chance and, and that's, that's your shot. That's your chance to be great right then and there. And we, we just didn't come through, you know, but we got to learn from it. My, my ugly was the third and 14 play. We've already talked about it, so I won't talk about it much more. But third and 14, Chad Henney, you know, the defense had all the receivers covered. Chad Henney, you know, really didn't have anywhere to go, but he did have a lot of real estate ahead of him. He took advantage of that and damn near got a first down and ended up getting the first down to end our season. So that was my ugly. Well, you stole mine. It doesn't get any uglier than that. Third and 14, you let Chad Henney run right up the middle on you. It's as ugly as it gets. Um, I'm, I'm going to finish with this question, um, you know, about the, the Browns football season. Are, are the Browns poised for continued success, or is this like, you know, water in a frying pan? Oh, no. This, look at the average. Look at our age. We're like one of the youngest teams in the NFL. Uh, we got a young, burgeoning coach. Everything to me is trending up. I don't see any reason for us to take any steps backwards. Um, there's a couple contracts that need to get worked out, but I don't. I don't see any reason that we shouldn't win our division next year. So I don't. I don't see this as any flash in the pan. You know, we went through this in in '02. You know, you, you get to the playoffs, you think, all right, we'll be back next year, and and we just fizzled out. Same thing in '07. Showed up in 08, and I think we won five games, you know. I would – our schedule is tougher next year, but I don't see any way we don't get double-digit wins and make the playoffs. And I expect to compete, if not win the division. Yeah, I, I think that we are definitely poised for continued success. You know, we we have our, our quarterback. Next year is going to be his second year in the Stefanski offense. He's just going to be that much more comfortable we said it earlier, he started this year against the Baltimore Ravens week one, really didn't, wasn't comfortable with the offense. And even going into the first six, seven weeks, you know, Stefanski was running the football a lot more than we were throwing. You could just tell that Baker was not comfortable yet. And that's okay. You know, this is his first year in the offense, but going into year two, you know, we're going to come out of the gates running and you're right. The schedule is a little tougher next year, but I don't see any reason and we're going to cover this during this offseason on this podcast, but I don't see any reason why we can't get double-digit wins for next year. Yep, I don't. I don't see any way around it. But this, uh, this, this, this team's only going forward. Let's get into the Brown Settle mailbag. All right, let's do that. Um, all right, first question: Amber is her name at Seahawk Fan Seven O Four asks, Are the Browns down? to the loss are they feeling down to the, you know because of the loss or are they looking forward to next year i think the loss fuels them i think that taste of success they got is going to propel them in the next year and the, this loss is going to this make them work even harder towards success next year yeah i, I think so too you, you kind of said it earlier a lot of times you can learn more from your defeats than your victories the, the, 
it, if you need motivation to work out this off season, this would be it. This, this game right here, we, we had a taste, man. I, I don't know about you, Casey, but I was starting to think, man, we can go to Tampa this year. We yes, can sir. actually go to the Super Bowl, And we were one game away from going to the AFC championship game. And if you get into that game, anything can happen. We were so, so doggone close. We came up a little short, but to answer Amber's question, the, the, the Browns football players, the, the competitors that they are, they're going to be thinking about this all off season and they're going to be hungry to get back to that situation again next year. Yeah. And something to think about, because we play the AFC West. I would not be surprised if the NFL opens the season with us playing at Arrowhead on that <laughs> opening Thursday night. I would not be surprised. Our last two games have done the best rating since the Super Bowl. You know, we, we bring eyes to the TV and I think that's going to start making a difference. And I, and to, if they named Kansas city chiefs as our first opponent, I can't imagine what that's going to do to the players knowing they get a chance at them right away. This, this, uh, I just thought about this. Were you surprised how many fans were in the, in the stands in yeah, Kansas yeah, city? Was. Did, did it shock you a little bit when you yeah, turn on the television? It, it shocked me too. Yeah, I don't know if it was the way they were spread out or anything, but it looked like there was a lot of people there. It really did, man. I, how, do you know how many people were at that game? No, I don't. I didn't get hear the uh, final uh, attendance, but I know our man Brown Spider was up in there. He was <laughs> Brown Spider. We saw videos of him jamming to his music on the way to the stadium. I'm like, right on, man, Brown Spider. Yeah, he- and he didn't have a ticket. I, nope. I, I thought, man, he's got a ticket, but he got there not even having a ticket to the game. Yep. No, that guy's my spirit animal right there. Yeah, I love the brown spider. He's been a guest on my show a couple times already. So yep. great great guy, man. Great NFL football fan. He's been to several games this year. He's he's a good fan, good guy. Um, all right, this coming from at Wesley underscore hand one. If you're wondering if he's related because of his last name, he is. This is my nephew. All right. And we, and we talked about this, so we, we probably answered this a little bit. But he asked, do you think the Browns should have won because of that touchback call that was so bad? He says the guy that hit him and led with his helmet, that should have been a flag. And he says we should have had the ball at the one or two-yard line and scored another touchdown, which is all that we needed. So my my nephew, which he's younger, he also thought – that we would have should have yeah. got the ball at the uh, one or two yard line, but do you, do you think that touch touchback was a bad call? Obviously, it wasn't because that's the rule, right? Yeah, it's the rule. But in the in a, in, a, in a thought process where say it does go out there one or two, we're actually probably able to take even a little more time off the clock, and then they don't get the matches with that field goal. Yeah, what could have been? What could have been? That that play, just like the third and fourteen, I'm I'm gonna remember that for a little while too. It's just there's so much that went on in that play with the dirty Dan hit. I guess that's his nickname in Kansas City. Oh, that's so his name from now on. That's his name yeah. from now on. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I'm not gonna cuss. I was gonna use another D word. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, dirty Dan. Hmm. Wesley uh, nephew. That was a tough play, man. And uh, it just happens in the game of football. 
Yes, he targeted with his helmet. Yes, that should have been called. No, it wasn't called. We can't cry in our milk. And hopefully they review the the touchback because not just because it happened to the Browns. I've seen it happen to a lot of teams. I just I never have been a fan of that rule. I just think you reward the defense too much to give them a touchback and give them the ball after we fumble it and it goes out of bounds in the end zone. I agree 100%. All right, uh, last question. At Neo Geo Ha asks, even with the Kansas City's D playing well, what are the three biggest reasons for the Browns' relatively low offensive production? Execution, personnel, play calling, or something else? I mean, execution. We, we didn't execute that in that first half. We didn't come out, you know, on all firing all cylinders. Um, you know, Chubb dropping those balls definitely hurt. They, they were drive killers. Uh, so I, I would probably say execution in the first half. Yeah, I really don't blame the play calling, you know, in the first half or even in this football game for the most part. I, I think losing Jedrick Wills on the first play of the game hurt, uh, you know, our running game because the offensive line, I mean, they work as one unit. And they're used to, you know, Wills being there and he wasn't there. I thought we did an excellent job, you know, filling that hole. I mean, uh, Lamb came in and he got hurt and then we had Blake hands, which I want to keep that guy. I want to keep him. Yeah, yeah. He's 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 a savior we didn't know we needed. He, he's, he, came, he bailed us out a few times. And uh, Wills going out on the first play, like, I was in disbelief when it happened. You know, like. Like you said, that's a the offensive line operates as one unit, and to lose your left tackle on the first play was devastating. And Lamb stepped up, you know, and we didn't really notice any, pro, you know, like if you're not talking about offensive linemen, they're probably doing their job. And then, you know, we weren't talking about Kendall Lamb during that game, so it was unfortunate to see him go down too. That's kind of what I'm most excited for: those offensive line being together for a second year. I wonder what kind of strides they're going to make as a as a cohesive unit. No doubt about it. Well, Casey, th this was a fun year, man. I I've had a smile on my face uh, a hell of a lot more than, you know, being upset, which is, is you know, a rarity being a Browns fan. So yeah. I don't know about you, man, but th this year has been fun, fun, fun. Yep. It's, it's uh, been the best year of my adult life rooting for the Browns right here by far. And uh, I'm very, very hopeful that we get to do this for the next few no doubt about it. Casey, well, where, where can the listeners find you? I, I know you have a Twitter account. How can the listeners find you on Twitter? Um, my handle is at Casey underscore Kenneman, and uh, I write for Dog Pound Daily. You can catch me on there. A lot of good content coming out from a lot of cool writers, and uh, that's about it. Well, very nice, Casey. Well, this was a lot of fun. I, I thank you so much for coming on the show. To you listeners, I, I really thank you for the support that you've given me this year for my first season of doing the Brown Subtle podcast. I, I've just had so much fun and the continued support and, and the people reaching out and wanting to be guests on the show. One of the reasons why I did this, wanted to do this podcast was for what we're doing tonight is I can sit down and talk to different Browns fans and relive what, what just happened the previous week and, and look forward to the future, which is what we're about to do. So with that, man, I, I Thank you for coming on. I really had a lot of fun tonight. 
And I thank you so much for having me on, man. It was an awesome show, and I'm glad to be a part of it. Well, let's uh, let's do this again next year. Uh, you know, come on the show and talk about the Browns, or maybe some point in the off season when it gets close to draft or, or something like that. All right, man. I'm all in anytime. Well, I like to end the podcast with a go Brown. So one, two, three, go, go Browns. Browns. <laughs>